right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. He's on vacation. And boy, did he pick some days to miss on RCST. Happy Stadium Day to all those who celebrated or all those who are celebrating. That's right. KU in the last hour or so has uh, put out a bunch of information regarding their new stadium. August of 2025 is the announced anticipated day or anticipated, I guess, time frame of the stadium being done. Construction will begin in December. There's renderings, which people love renderings. Those are out. It looks pretty sweet, if you ask me. Uh, So we're going to talk a lot about that here on the show today. It's going to be a very, very packed show. We're going to bring you some audio. They're they're actually having a press conference right now live. We're going to get to some of that audio with... uh, Doug Gerard, Travis Goff, and Lance Leipold, I think, are all scheduled to speak or are speaking right now uh, about the stadium. So we're going to get to that audio as much as we can throughout the show today. Probably we'll get to some of it tomorrow as well uh, as as also. And coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, RCST football trivia. That's right. Even with no Derek, we're still going to have some trivia. That's coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. It'll be our first trivia matchup of the football playoffs. We're going to have one playoff matchup today. One tomorrow, one Thursday, and one Friday for this week. These are all the guys that are playing to advance into the quarterfinals to face the top four seeds who have buys. So Aaron Mayer and Ryan Goodwin, that matchup coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty at 440 of 247sports.com to talk about all things going up, going up with KU, including the stadium. And then we're going to talk with Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star in the 5 o'clock hour. He's out there right now, so we're going to get a little bit more of a first-hand perspective uh, how, on how things are going with the stadium announcement and everything and whatnot. And also, in case you missed it earlier this week on, I guess yesterday, uh, Shreyas put out a, a really incredible article on Dylan Daniels. We'll get to that as well with Shreyas. And, and again, we're going to try to get to as much of the press conference audio as we can today. It's going on right now, so... A bit of a hectic afternoon here on RCST, to be quite honest with you. But it's going to be a fun show. I'm here, and it's going to be a great time. And like I said, Derek picked a heck of a day, a couple days, to to go on vacation. So, uh, anyways, yeah, the big story today. David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. The brand-new stadium, going to be open in August 2025, is what uh, KU has announced. Tons of information that is flooding out about uh, that. And they put out some renderings of the new stadium. It looks very cool. Highly would encourage you to check it out on uh, koathletics.com. Tons of information going on about it. Uh, I think there are still some there are still some concerns that I think people might have about this. The renderings don't appear to leave much room for parking. Uh, but my big thing is the stadium, uh, at least in the renderings, is is clearly built in mind with keeping in with keeping in mind that sort of view of the Campanile on the hill. So it still has kind of that open section, but uh, the rest of it enclosed. So. Uh, it's a very, very exciting time, I think, for KU. And this is, you know, maybe this is probably this has got to be the biggest project in 
KU history, I would think, or at least in modern KU history, I would think, uh, besides, like, I guess, you know, some construction of maybe other buildings. But this is obviously a very, very huge deal. Very, very huge for KU athletics. Very, very huge for KU as a whole, just as a university, and significant for the, the city of Lawrence, I think, as well, because I think the, the, the general consensus on this is that it's going to be possibly more than just to utilize for football. They, they want to utilize it with all kinds of different stuff involved. So it should be a, a major, major project, obviously. that's They're planning to start construction in, after this season at the end of 2023, so in December of 2023. Uh, so they they have a lot of plans with uh, all, all sorts of different stuff going on with this new stadium situation. And uh, again, they... they I think the most the most important thing about this is this is a project that is not just about a stadium. I mean, I think that's why they've been calling it the Gateway Project. Is it, it seems to me that that KU, that Travis Goff, and even Douglas Strott is is really trying to emphasize that this is this is goes beyond athletics. This goes beyond just housing football. This is about building something that can be multifunctional. That can uh, you know do different things. That can be a part of the community. That can help out you know in the area with different stuff. So this is. Something that I think it's pretty clear there's been a lot of thought gone into it, which is is really good to see. I mean, this is obviously a very, very huge decision for KU to move forward with this. And it's obviously and it's something that's been needed, right? I mean, at the end of the day, KU has one of the oldest stadiums in Power 5 probably in, for football and, uh, you know, very, very old stadium, obviously. So this, this makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot of sense in a lot of different facets for KU and for KU Athletics and I don't think it really could have... I think for KU, everything kind of funneled together at the right time. They have a very, very successful season under Lance Leipold. They're going to look to try to replicate that again. So the, they're able to capitalize on that success with by pushing forward with this new stadium that uh, is should be really, really exciting. Uh, so tons, tons going on with the stadium. Uh, just a couple of quotes here from the website with uh, Travis Goff. The cumulative impact of the world-class football operations complex and one of the finest game day venues in the country catapults Kansas football and our entire athletics program into this new critical chapter. So, again, I think this, to me, this kind of goes beyond uh, the football stuff and really it's something that they want to try to encompass a lot more than just the football. So, uh, and there's a lot with fan experience. And, again, I think I think there are still probably some fair concerns. I mean, if, you've, if you haven't checked out the renderings, there's the renderings don't really leave much space where you would expect people to be able to park <laughs> for the for the games, which is I guess problem number one. Some people are kind of overblowing the parking situation. They don't think it's really that much of a concern. I I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like I feel like I, I do think you need a good you probably need a good experience with like tailgating and stuff, which I don't know where or what that's going to look like. But at the end of the day, like if people are going to come to the game, you can do. There are plenty of options besides having a lot of parking, right? You can do, I mean, KU utilizes a bus system as it is generally uh, to, 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 to get people to transit people back and forth. You know, there's, I, I think it's probably maybe a tiny bit overblown, but uh, it, it could be a concern. And obviously, I think for KU fans, they're looking for upgrades to the fan experience, which is something that has been highlighted quite a bit in uh, the what they've posted online, at least KU so far, with the fact that, you know, you want to upgrade you want to upgrade the Wi-Fi experience for fans utilizing cell phones in the stadium. You want to upgrade the the general experience with like concession stands, with bathrooms. You know the I don't know if there's really a right term for that, but sort of the the minutia of the fan experience, the stuff that the stuff that doesn't immediately come to your mind when you're thinking you're going to go to a game, right? When you when when you think 
when you think you're going to go to a football game, whether it's at K or anywhere else, your first thought when, it, when you think fan experience is probably what's it going to be like, you know, tailgating wise? What's it going to be like the experience getting into the stadium, getting to my seat? What's going on with the game? What's going on in the, with the atmosphere and whatnot? But there are those other things that can really undermine all that. That right now, at current at K, with KU's current stadium, it has been a recurring issue, which is, you know, uh, concession stand lines, access to that kind of stuff, access to the bathrooms, things like that. That kind of stuff, I think, seems to be a little bit more highlighted here for, for KU, which makes a lot of sense because that's something that fans, I think, are are looking for that can really, really improve the experience. But uh, and at the end of the day, KU has the hill, which can be utilized in a lot of different ways and is a very, very unique thing. And I'm like I said, I'm really, really appreciative of the fact that based off of the stadium renderings they have, it looks like they want to be able to maintain that where you can sort of it's a picture it's a picturesque view whether you're in the stadium looking out towards the hill or if you're on the hill looking down into the stadium it's a really really cool it looks like a really really cool uh atmosphere so uh very very exciting time like i said i think this is probably the biggest uh project in KU modern history i mean i can't think of anything that they have really that's that's this significant and certainly with the with the money as well with the funding as well uh it's it's a big deal so there is a lot going into this a lot going into this and with that when you have this much stuff coming together it, it's it's going to be very important i think for KU to try to to try to make this uh, as best as possible right i mean you don't you really really don't want to mess something up mess something like this up that's pretty obvious i uh, that's pretty apparent with the fact that this has been an ongoing conversation for a long time and that to me shows that there's probably been a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, what's this rollout going to be like? What are we going to do to try to get fans excited for it? What's everything going to look like? How's that all going to work? Uh, they're planning to expand the Anderson Family Football Complex as well uh, as part of a phase of this project uh, with all kinds of new stuff. They've already obviously finished the locker room stuff earlier this summer. There, there's like I said, there's going to be. Based off the renderings, it looks like they're going to be adding some sort of uh, multi-purpose building, a couple of different multi-purpose buildings actually, to uh, the that are kind of off the stadium, that can provide a little bit of everything. It seems like, uh, you know, like I said, I think multi-use facilities has kind of been uh, a buzzword for them, for for KU in the sense of, like I said, I think they do want this to be something that goes beyond just a football stadium. I think they want it to be something that can be utilized by. Uh, different parts of the student population, probably, uh, along with, you know, student athletes and along with, you know, kind of the city of Lawrence as well. So a lot to break down here. Like I said, there have, there's right now Travis Scoff, uh, Douglas Strahd, and Lance Leipold are scheduled to speak. They are speaking right now. So we're going to try to get to that audio or play at least some of that audio throughout the show today. I'm sure we'll get to a lot more of it uh, throughout the week as well with this ongoing uh, unveiling of, of KU's project situation. So we're, we'll try to get to that as much as possible. We're going to have Shreyas Lada come on in the 5 o'clock hour to talk a little bit more about uh, his experience with kind of this unveiling of this project by KU. Uh, you know, I don't know if unveiling this project is the right term because the project has obviously been known about, but this is sort of the first real, I think, fan look that you're going to get at at uh, at this at this project, basically. And uh, there are a couple of interesting things. So they are they're gonna in increase the video board. Uh, they're saying it's two and a half times larger and sixty feet closer to the field is what uh, is claimed in the in the article there. Uh, with a fifty percent increase in area per seat and fifty percent more leg room throughout the stadium. So kind of creating more areas within the stadium. Uh, interestingly enough, as I was kind of scrolling through this, 
I did not specifically see a stadium, a comment on the stadium capacity, uh, which I think is rather interesting. So uh, there was there was a bit of a, a back and forth, if you remember, with Travis Scoff earlier in the summer about the stadium capacity. Just scrolling through here, I haven't specifically seen what before the show and, and right now just scrolling through it. I didn't specifically see anything about what the stadium capacity is going to be. Uh, and I don't know if that's by design on KU's part to maybe keep that until later date, later on a later date. But uh, yeah, I mean, they as part of the article they do, they say an estimated 500,000 prospective students and guests who visit the University of Kansas each year would utilize and benefit from the Gateway District and David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. So again, the the, the Gateway Project, Gateway District, this is this is definitely something that's going to be more than just about the football stadium. I mean, the football stadium is obviously the centerpiece of it, but there's there's certainly a lot more going into it that I think KU is trying to brand and trying to utilize to promote it as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Like I said, it's expected in the article. They say it's expected to be done in August 2025. We will see about the progress of it. It's supposed to begin construction in December following the season. And a uh, very, very exciting time for KU. Like I said, I think the biggest uh, the biggest project in KU history probably up to this date. So uh, certainly a huge day for KU and for KU Athletics uh, as a whole. Like I said, we're going to try to get to as much of that audio from the press conferences as we can today. It's ongoing right now. Naturally, KU decides to make the decides to make the stuff happening while we're doing this, while the show's going on right now. So uh, Douglas Gerard and Travis Goff and, and Lance Leipold speaking, have been speaking uh, since about around the 2.30, 2.45 time. So we're going to try to get to that audio as much as we can and play some of it on the show here today. And if not, we'll get to, I'm sure, more of it on tomorrow's show. Uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll have some RCSC trivia. We have our first playoff matchup of the playoffs. It'll be Aaron Mayer versus Ryan Goodwin. Definitely want to stick around for that matchup. And at 4.40, Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show to talk about KU from 247 Sports. And we'll probably get into a little bit of stadium talk as well with Kevin Flaherty. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, Shreya Salata is going to join the show to break down a little bit more about the stadium situation and uh, this new project for KU, along with uh, his recent article about uh, Jalen Daniels as well. So a lot to get to in today's show. It's a very, very busy show today. And this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on RCST. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson on vacation. We'll be back tomorrow. And it has been a busy, busy day so far here uh, in the world of KU with the Stadium Gateway Project announcement happening earlier this afternoon. Got to some of that audio earlier on uh, in the 3 o'clock hour. We're going to get to the rest of it later on in the show in the 5 o'clock hour. Tons to break down, tons to get to. Uh, I, to be honest, it's it's almost, with, with how much has been unveiled, it's it's a, it's a bit overwhelming what's going on. But they've uh, there's been some renderings, uh, various renderings that have been put out of the stadium the main highlights is that they've kind of got these lights that look like uh, I think they're going for wave. I think they're going for like waving the wheat sort of is kind of the idea with the light setup they have going on uh, in the renderings. But uh, also on top of that, construction is going to start in 2023. There's going to be a severely, severely reduced capacity of the stadium. They're still going to play actually in the stadium in 2024 while it's under construction. It'll be severely reduced capacity for fans though. <coughs> Excuse me. Severely reduced capacity for fans, though. And then in uh, 2025, in August of 2025 is when it's expected to be done. So then in 2025, Kansas will be able to return and play at the new stadium. So 
Uh, we'll, we'll get to some of the highlights throughout the rest of this week. Uh, there's been a lot said by Travis Goff, by Douglas Gerard. They, had, they held a huge press conference that just wrapped up a few minutes ago. We're probably not going to get to the press conference audio today. That's probably going to be something we get to uh, later on this week, probably tomorrow and through the rest of this week as well. So there's a lot to get to from a lot of different people speaking about this project, and it's certainly an exciting time. And I think, you know, regardless of what your reaction may be to the renderings or maybe to uh, kind of the unveiling of everything and this the ambitiousness of the project, I think at the end of the day, Kansas was in need of a new football stadium for a long time, and it this is a project that's going to deliver that at the very least, which I think is is maybe the the biggest headline. Now, obviously, there's a lot other there's a lot of other stuff that that seems to be involved with it, and that uh, that KU, the athletic department, and even beyond wants to be involved with it. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we do have RCSD football trivia happening as well. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes with our first playoff matchup. So I just wanted to go through the playoff bracket real quick of RCST football trivia. It was a great regular season. Thanks so much to all of our contestants who competed. And we're down to 12 in the playoffs. So our top four seeds got buys. The top four seeds are Eric Hansey, Jackson Snyder, Isaac Henderson, and Blake Farrell. Eric Hansey, number one. Blake Farrell, number two. Isaac Henderson, number three. Jackson Snyder, number four. Those four have buys into the quarterfinal round immediately. That leaves eight. Are the rest of our eight contestants playing in games to match up with those top four seeds. And our first matchup of the day we're going to get to in just a few minutes is in the 23rd Street Wave the Wheat Bowl, the 11 seed Aaron Mayer against the 6 seed Ryan Goodwin. And then we'll get one matchup per day the rest of the week. So we'll have our first matchup and then one tomorrow, one Thursday, one Friday, the rest of this week. Then that will set. On Friday, we'll have our quarterfinal matchup set for the RCST football playoffs. The rest of our matchups we're getting to later this week the 8 seed Kyle Martin versus the 9 seed Justin Nichols in the 23rd Street Bill Self Mac and Cheese Bowl. Maybe the most exciting matchup, I think, possibly of this first round. Then you have the 12 seed Garrett Hart going up against the 5 seed Skinner and Wenger in the 23rd Street Hank Boothberger Bowl. And Brad Wondell and Andrew Wymore will compete in the 23rd Street Haney Turkey Stack Bowl. That's the 10 seed versus the 7 seed. So, very exciting times on RCSD Football Trivia. We also put out our top 10 as voted on by the uh, the committee. And Eric Hansey was number one, Blake Farrell number two, Jackson Snyder number three. Those three guys will have first-round buys. Then you have four guys, or three guys, pardon me, tied for fourth, for that fourth spot. You had Michael Plank, who finished one and two. He lost, His two losses, though, were against Isaac Henderson and Jackson Snyder, so two guys that are in the top four. So, Missed the playoffs, kind of unfortunate on how scheduling sh- how scheduling worked out there. Uh, he was ranked fourth. Isaac Henderson ranked fourth. Skinner Wenger, Skinner Wenger ranked fourth. Kyle Martin, Ryan Goodwin, Justin Nichols, and Kyle Coffey round out the top ten of our rankings as we head into the playoffs. So we will uh, see what happens with our first matchup coming in just a few minutes. As I said, it'll be Ryan Goodwin versus Aaron Mayer. Then we'll bring... One matchup the rest of the uh, one matchup a day for the rest of the week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. But of course, the big story today is that stadium announcement, and there's so much to get to. There was a great video put together with Kevin Harlan voicing the video, which was very exciting. Uh, it was also uh, I, I basically Travis Goff said that there's the possibility for, after they build the stadium to expand it to add seating essentially, but that. To start off, it is going to be over forty thousand. I know that I know that was a bit of a sticky 
I don't know if sticky is the right term. That was a bit of a there was a bit of a back and forth on social media about that a while back about what the capacity of the stadium would be. It's going to be over forty thousand, is what Travis Goff says. There was not an official number in the uh, official release that KU put out uh, in terms of capacity. There was a lot put out in terms of uh, kind of with the renderings, with the their increase in the size of the video board. Now. Th- my initial reaction was that it looked like there was you were still going to have a pretty good view of the hill, and I think that still maybe might be the case. The thing is, is like the video board where they have it placed now, it's going to be in the same spot it looks like in the new stadium. It'll be one video board, and it will be, I don't know, it feels like it's kind of blocking out uh, part of the view of the hill, which that may matter to some people, may not matter to others. But again, I think the biggest thing here is just the fact that uh, you're getting a new stadium out of this. There was also a brief hint at Travis Goff at the possibility of dorms or residence halls being built next to the stadium, which would be pretty insane. So it, it this is a very, very ambitious project, and it sounds like kind of anything could potentially be on the table. I mean, they, they this was a, a pretty well thought out plan, I would say, for KU with the announcement today. I mean, this is something that's clearly been in the works for a very long time, and they definitely took the time to put it all together. But it does feel like there's still opportunities for new and different ways that this project can can unfold. Uh, it's certainly very, very ambitious, and uh, we'll see how it how it turns out over the course of the next couple of years as they begin uh, the construction of this. Uh, the plan is to begin construction in December of 2023. So basically after this football season is when they're going to get things underway. And then Travis Scoff, we mentioned in the audio when we, when we played earlier in the show about it's going to be sort of a multi-phase project. And if fans are looking for maybe examples of kind of how this has been done, uh, other programs have actually done this. Most notably is Oregon State. Oregon State did something similar where they basically like tore down half, the, half their football stadium, played, I think it was uh, maybe the 2021 season they played in there. But uh, if, if you're interested in maybe seeing how this could potentially play out for Kansas, uh, I, would, I would suggest looking up kind of how Oregon State did it, because that seems like maybe what KU is going for in terms of the actual stadium construction itself. And then with everything else around it, we'll see how, how that all plays out. But uh, this is certainly, I, again, I think regardless of what you think of the renderings, regardless of what you think of maybe the ambitions of the project, this is still a very, very exciting time for KU, uh, and they're looking to capitalize on the, the positive momentum of KU football and utilize that with the entire program. So, uh, overall, I, I think you have to be impressed with how things have shaken out with this with this project. We'll see how it comes to fruition once it's actually complete. But uh, there's definitely been a lot of time and effort put into this and a lot of financial uh, effort as well put in. And we're going to hear from David Booth coming up later on the show. He, he had a chance to speak uh, at the announcement, at the stadium announcement earlier on this afternoon. So there's obviously been a lot put into this from all sorts of different parties and uh, we're going to continue to kind of break this down as we go throughout the rest of this week. Uh, Derek Johnson, he'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more about it as well and kind of get his thoughts on it. And, and yeah, I mean, I again, I think it's uh, I think no matter which way you slice it, it's a very, very exciting time for KU uh, and KU football, and it's a very ambitious project. And with with a project like this, with a project like this, there certainly is going to be a lot of challenges. And I'm very, very excited to see how it ends up looking at at the end and what kind of the, the the real positive impacts it can have because I think it does, it, there certainly is a lot of potential here for this to be really a, a monumental uh, 
game-changing project for the football team and for the university as well. And that certainly seems to be kind of what they are go- what the goal of this project is for for uh, the for Douglas Gerard and for Travis Goff and the rest of the athletic department and the rest of, of the university. All right, we're about to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll get into our first RCST trivia matchup of the playoffs. It's the 11 seed Aaron Mayer against the 6 seed Ryan Goodwin. That is coming up next. Reminder, we're also going to be joined by Shreya Salata in the 5 o'clock hour. We're also going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty coming up at 440 to talk uh, KU football as well. Then Shreya Salata is going to join us from the Kansas City Star in the 5 o'clock hour, plus more stadium audio. That all coming up on RCST, but trivia is next here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Jock Sports Talk. You're on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. He'll be back tomorrow. But no Derek Johnson doesn't mean the show stops. The show goes on. And we are into the playoffs of RCST Trivia. And uh, if you've been paying attention to RCST on Twitter, you've seen the playoff bracket. You've seen the top 10 heading into the playoffs with number one being Eric Hansey, number two, Blake Farrell, number three, Jackson Snyder, number four, Michael Plank, number f- and uh, we'll actually have a three-way tie with four, Plank, Isaac Henderson, and Skinner Wanger. The the four buys, the four guys that are going to be getting the buys will be Eric, Blake, Isaac, and Jackson in the playoffs. And this matchup we have coming up right now to kick off the playoffs is between the six-seed Ryan Goodwin and the 11-seed Aaron Mayer. Should be a very, very exciting matchup. Aaron endured a, a bumpy start to the season. He wasn't even sure if his team was going to make it to the playoff. And it turns out he did get in. Meanwhile, Ryan's been pretty consistent throughout the season. Both of these players are 2-1. and one. Aaron Mayer, 2-1 and one with 26 points in the regular season. Ryan Goodwin, 2-1 and one with 30 points in the regular season. The winner of this matchup gets to face Isaac Henderson, the three seed. This matchup between Aaron and Ryan is in the 23rd Street Wave, the Wheat Bowl. And the winner will advance to face Isaac in the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl next week. A lot on the line here. It's winner go home in the playoffs. And we'd like to remind you that uh, RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Whether you want to dine in, carry out, or cater, it's all available at 23rd Street Brewery. They've got an outdoor patio to where you can enjoy the warm weather. As it maybe gets starts to get a little bit cooler, you can go out and enjoy the outdoor patio. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items they have at the 23rd Street Brewery. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. RCST Trivia is also brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy, custom awards and engraving experts in Lawrence. They have great tumblers, which we're going to be giving away to some of our top contestants. And, of course, they are uh, providing the trophy as well. So be sure to check out Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. And RCST Trivia also brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th anniversary. And that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about the 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence, where you can be a part of the neighborhood porch. And RCST Trivia also brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash in the Lawrence area. And right across the street from the McDonald's on 6th is Mr. D's Auto Wash as well. You can stop by, get yourself a little meal at McDonald's, and then wash your car out as well. So there you go. All right, let's get into our first playoff trivia matchup of the RCST football season. It's Aaron Mayer versus Ryan Goodwin. Let's get into it. This is our first playoff matchup of the RCST trivia football season. And it features the 6 seed, Ryan Goodwin, versus the 11 seed, Aaron Mayer. Aaron Mayer comes into this matchup with a 2-1 regular season record, 26 points. Ryan Goodwin, 2-1 with 30 points. 
Aaron, you endured a, a tough matchup in your first week of the season, rallied back, got to the playoffs. How are you feeling coming into this matchup? Feeling really good. That was a it was a really fun week to listen to last last week. Uh, starting off on Monday, um, I told you guys I needed five or six things to happen for me to make the playoffs, and uh, just one by one they all happened uh, throughout the week. And um, I'm just I'm very happy to be here. Ryan, you've been pretty consistent throughout uh, this regular season. Have you changed up anything with your preparation coming into the playoffs? Uh, not really. It's just try to cram thirty minutes in before <laughs> before we get going here and. Uh, a lot of our things just keep, you know, life keeps you busy. So you just pray that you got enough, accrued enough knowledge over the years that uh, the questions fall where you want them to. All right, this is the 23rd Street Wave the Wheat Bowl. The winner of this matchup will move on to the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl against Isaac Henderson. So uh, big matchup here for today. I've got a coin with me. Aaron, you're the lower seed. You're the 11 seed. Would you like heads or tails? Heads. It is heads. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go second. All right, that means that, Ryan, you were up first. This is the first question of the playoffs. No pressure here. In the easy round, we're three points. First name Joe, this KU linebacker, earned all Big 12 first team in 2018. Joe Deneen. Joe Deneen is correct. Good hit there. Moving on to Aaron in the easy round. We're three points to tie this game in the first quarter. First name, Daniel. This KU defensive tackle earned all Big 12 first team in 2018. Daniel Wise. Daniel Wise is correct. That felt like maybe you were overthinking that one a little bit. Well, I had that question last week and I was just a little confused, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, you know, sometimes that happens. Moving on to the medium round. We're tied at three points apiece in this playoff matchup. Back to Ryan. This former linebacker and quarterback from 2002 to 2005 who wore number seven will have his name entered into the KU Ring of Honor in 2023. Nick Reed. Nick Reed is correct. Great linebacker as well in the early 2000s. 9-3 to lead for Ryan, so Aaron has to answer here in the medium round. This former KU running back from 1988 to 1991 with the nickname of Tuxedo We'll have his name entered into the KU Ring of Honor in 2023. Tony Sands. Tony Sands is correct. Both you guys are on a roll here early. It's 9-9 nine to nine as we head into the halftime break and go to the third quarter. On to the hard round. These points, these questions are worth seven points. We go back to Ryan. Name this junior linebacker who notched 17 tackles and two tackles for loss in KU's 2009 loss to Colorado. James Holt. That's a good guess there. The correct answer this time was Drew Dudley. Drew Dudley in 2009. All right, all right, Aaron, you have a chance to take the lead here with the score tied at nine in the third quarter. Though they lost 48-14, to Kansas briefly led Big 12 champion Oklahoma State 7-0 after a touchdown pass from Quinn Meacham to who? What year? Did you say the year? 
2010. Got a couple guys. Uh, I don't want to go with the obvious one, but I'll say Damon Patterson. The correct to this correct answer this time was Tim Beer. I believe it's Beer. B e b i e r e. All right, so the score remains tied as we head to the really hard mouth round. This is where champions are made or broken. We'll find out. On the really hard round, these questions worth eight points, tied at nine. We go back to Ryan. Prior to Don Fambro's first stint at KU, what head coach led the Jayhawks from 1967 to 1970, going 20-22? and Pepper Rogers. Pepper Rogers is correct. And with a name like that, it's hard to forget if you were doing some studying. Great hit there for Ryan, and now the pressure falls onto Aaron here in the playoffs. 17-9, Ryan leads. Aaron, you got to hit this really hard to keep to stay alive here. In between Don Fambro's first and second stint at KU, what head coach led the Jayhawks from 1975 to 1978, going 17 and 27 and 11? 75 to 78. From 1975 to 1978. Yep. Uh, Bud Moore. Woo! Bud Moore is correct. Aaron, from the top rope. At the buzzer, drives down and scores to tie this Ooh. game at 17. Oh, boy, fellas. Quite the matchup here. Pepper Rogers and Bud Moore, the correct answers in the really hard, and you guys nailed it. And now we go to overtime in our first trivia matchup of the playoffs. You, go, you guys know the rules here in overtime. Ryan, since Aaron got the coin toss in the regular in regulation, You'll get the coin toss in overtime. Would you like heads or tails? I'll take heads. It is heads. You have won the toss, Ryan. Would you like to go first or second in this overtime? I'll go second. Aaron, you're up first. And the question becomes, what category do you want to go to here in overtime? Uh, let's, let's stick with medium. All right, into the medium round in overtime. Tied at 17. The winner will advance to face Isaac Henderson. Your question in the medium round in overtime. Aaron, two Jayhawks are set to wear number three in 2023. A corner and a receiver. Name one. Melo Dotson. Melo Dotson is correct. You also could have given Tanaka Scott the wide receiver as well. Those are the two Jayhawks. All right, Ryan, now over to you. You can answer a medium question to extend overtime, or you could go to the hard and go for the win here. Let's go for the hard. All right, Ryan All wants right. to go for the win in overtime. I love it. Ryan, your question to advance in the RCSD football playoffs. This Jayhawk receiver played at KU from 2016 to 2019 before transferring to Virginia Tech to finish his career. You said wide receiver or cornerback? 
uh, wide receiver. This Jayhawk wide receiver played at KU from 2016 to 2019 before transferring to Virginia Tech. You have 10 seconds. Stephon Robinson. That is incorrect. In this case, the wide receiver who transferred to Virginia Tech was Evan Fares. Evan Fares, the correct answer there. And just like that, in overtime, Aaron, you are advancing. Heartbreak for Ryan. Ryan, I mean, you you got to you got to feel good about yourself going for the win there. What was going through your mind on the last question? Uh, just drawing a blank. I knew in that era, Parchment and Robinson had come in. I knew Parchment was Florida State. I knew Robinson was Northwestern. Just couldn't come up with it. Evan Ferris. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's so many guys that uh, from the wide receiver room that ended up transferring. So. Uh, yeah. Certainly, uh, you got to be you got to be happy with the effort, though, right? Made it to the playoffs and pushed there into the overtime round. How, how you feeling about this season? Uh, it's it's okay. I mean, it's you know you never like to go out. You know, I think you know that, that was a great hit by Aaron on Bud Moore. I, I really didn't think he was going to get it. You could tell he was <laughs> stressing on it, and uh, you know I I was sitting there. I actually knew that one too, and uh, you know so you know you go overtime. You know we both hit the. Uh, uh, the last round of them, you know, that's just a good battle right there. And hats off to Aaron for winning it. You know, I've, I've been through this overtime stuff t- before. And, you know, when you just keep going medium after medium after medium, it, you know, I just decide let's go for the hard. And hopefully the questions land where I know some. And unfortunately, it didn't. Yeah, Aaron, the turning point of this matchup was that really hard. And you, you were struggling, it seemed like, a little bit. What made you ultimately come up with Bud Moore there? Well, I was just thinking of uh... – the bowl game the bowl game happened in 75 and I just wanted, I just kept going through my head, making sure that that was actually Bud Moore. I, and, and that the year was correct. Um, it just took me a bit to figure it out, but, um, I applaud Ryan for going for the hard. I I'm with him. I, I don't like doing the medium back and forth all day long. That's, that's tiring. And then you miss one eventually. And then it's an easy question. And I, I would have went for the hard too. So, um, really glad it didn't work out for, uh, me going second and going with the hard because I did not know Evan Ferris as well. Yeah. I, I was actually toying with going with the really hard because I've sucked with the hard <laughs> questions. That's been my uh, kryptonite this whole season, so got to get better in that round. All right, Aaron, you're advancing to face Isaac. Do you have uh, any uh, any message to Isaac coming up, your next opponent? No, I <laughs> I'm not big on trash talking. Maybe that's maybe when I see And, you know, honestly, Isaac probably doesn't need any more bulletin board material. Uh, that's that's going to be an exciting <laughs> exactly. match. Exactly. All right, fellas, thanks so much. Ryan, thanks so much for joining. Hope to see you again. And, Aaron, we'll see you again next week. Yeah. Good luck Thank next you. week, Aaron. Appreciate it, Ryan. Man, the first matchup of the playoffs fittingly goes to overtime. That was a fantastic matchup. And I loved what both Ryan and Aaron said there at the end. You know, in trivia – Sometimes you'll see people that just want to go back and forth and overtime with the medium question with the medium questions, but you absolutely have to respect the guts of Ryan to go for the hard there. And I can't really blame him. I mean, listen, in that 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019 era, there there was a lot of receivers that came through KU that ended up transferring to different places. You heard him kind of go through what his process was and just couldn't come up with Evan Fares. So uh, heartbreak for Ryan. Aaron survives and he'll move on, but tip of the cap to Ryan. Had a great season and uh, a lot of guts there to go for the hard question to try to get the win in overtime. But, man, a really, really great matchup that I think is going to set the stage for a very, very exciting playoffs of RCST trivia. And I, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, there's a lot of great competitors in this thing, and 
you know, at the end of the day, there can only be one winner. So we'll see who's able to come out on top of RCST trivia. But shout out to Ryan uh, for his great competition throughout the season and Aaron as well for advancing into the next round of the playoffs uh, as we continue to move on with RCST trivia. All right. RCST Trivia, that does it for today. We're going to bring you one matchup every day the rest of this week. So we just had our one for today. We'll have one tomorrow, one on Thursday, and one on Friday. These will be all of our play-in matchups, I guess, quote-unquote, play-in matchups before we advance into the next round, which will be the quarterfinals. That'll include our top four seeds. Remember, the top four seeds got a first-round bye. So these are our sort of, like I said, play-in games, I guess. I don't know if that's really the right term because everybody's in, but uh, playing to advance into the quarterfinals to face one of the top four seeds in the next round of RCST Trivia. Shout out to all of our contestants who have been so great so far, and I'm really excited to, to see what happens here as we keep going through the playoffs of RCST Trivia. Once again, RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. All right, we are going to move into more conversation about the update of the stadium as well. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Kevin Flaherty of 247 Sports is going to join us next to talk KU football. We're going to be joined by Shreya Salata later in the 5 o'clock hour as well to break down all things going on with KU's uh, stadium press conference. We're going to have some more press conference. should have some more press conference audio coming up as well in the 5 o'clock hour from the from the stadium uh, reveal and whatnot and all that good stuff. And also going to talk to Shreyas about uh, that piece he put in the Kansas City Star regarding Jalen Daniels as well. So tons more to get to throughout the rest of the show here on RCSD, so stay with us. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty next. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, Derek Johnson on vacation, and he picked... Of all the days Derek could have gone on vacation, he picked uh, not a great one, to be honest. So uh, in Derek's absence, uh, I like to call it Nick Chalk Sports Talk. So uh, here we go, Nick Chalk Sports Talk today. We are joined now by a good friend of the show and guest, Kevin Flaherty from 247 Sports. Kevin, welcome to Nick Chalk Sports Talk. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Long time no see, Nick. Yes, yes. Uh, we were just at the Royals game last night, and the Ro- it was a very, very exciting game also. But enough about the Royals Today, it's all about uh, new stadium renovations, all about looking at renderings and seeing if you like it or not and all that great stuff. So I guess, Kevin, what just what was your initial reaction to kind of KU's massive rollout of this gateway project, as they're calling it, with all these renovations? What, what was just kind of your initial reaction to it all? Yeah, I thought, I thought first of all, I mean, the, the stadium stuff was, uh, I'm sure, the part that most of us were, were looking at. I mean, the district is going to be interesting and and give you a reason to, to kind of hang around the stadium and the fact that it's going to be utilized as much as it is 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 really cool. And, and you know, the the added football facility stuff and everything is is obviously good for the program and good for, for recruiting. But when you, you think about, you know, when – your average fan looks, I think, at the announcement. They're going to look at Memorial Stadium and see, you know, hey, what what's happening to the booth? And I thought it was really encouraging, Nick. You know, when you when you looked at the renderings, when you saw the videos, you know, I think it looked really sharp and and all of those things. But even beyond that, you know, we've seen in the past kind of teams just doing band-aids at certain places or, or attempting, you know, sort of weird projects, you know, the gridiron club, you know, comes to, to mind a little bit, but this is a situation where they've got $165 million already committed, you know, according to, to Travis Goff and, and that's a pretty sizable chunk, but they're also getting started relatively quickly, right? Like you're talking about, 
the stuff at Memorial Stadium going on, there's going to be reduced capacity in 2024 as they do a lot of these renovations and everything. Then that first phase is supposed to be done by the time the season starts in 2025. And you're talking about, I think, the south end zone, the southwest corner, and then the west side of the stadium to the side with the press box. Uh, I, I thought there were a lot of encouraging things. The way it looked was great. Uh, the fact that there's going to be more leg room and, and seating space. The fact that they're going to have all the modern amenities and things that you look for. Obviously, you know, concourse-wise, you're, you're looking at better access to restrooms and, and different things like that. Uh, but, but overall, I, I thought it was just a, a really encouraging announcement, encouraging that they're getting started on it early and and that that first phase is going to be done so quickly. There was a bit of a back and forth on social media from a while back with Travis Goff about what the capacity of the stadium was going to be, uh, and he made sure. it, he made it very clear that it was going to be over forty thousand, or you know, I don't think he gave a specific number, but I guess what what was kind of your view on that? Does that matter to you, or or what what did you think about that part of it? Yeah, I, I think you know there are a couple things in there. One, you want to have. A home field advantage and the the biggest part of that I, I think is one you want to have a stadium that's big enough that you have enough fans in there and everything to generate that home field advantage but the other part is you don't want it too big and you know you look at and I realize we're talking about a different sport here but you look at like when the Kansas City Wizards used to play at Arrowhead and what it looked like to draw a few thousand fans there versus the home field advantage that, that they enjoy over at Sporting Park with Sporting KC. And, and I think, you know, not that Memorial needs to, or, or the booth, or however you want to refer to it um, colloquially, but um, not that it needs to shrink a whole bunch, but I thought what was really interesting was Goff saying basically, hey, it's going to be north of 40,000. He didn't put a specific number with it, and he said basically that the second phase, which is going to work on the east side of the stadium, you know, kind of allowed for some flexibility there, right? Like whether it's going to be 40,500 people or 41,000 or whether it's going to be 45,000, you know, it, it's something where they can work within the confines of what they're doing. And, you know, he encouraged fans to come out and support the team and, and you know, sort of make the case for, for there to be more attendance there. And uh, I do think that, that that's a, a really interesting deal because we haven't had over the last decade a, a whole lot of success in, in terms of the Kansas football program. And it showed up in, in terms of what the attendance was, how empty that place felt and all of those things. But at the same time, you look at when Kansas did have success and you look at when the excitement level was high in 2008, the year coming off the Orange Bowl, 2009, when Kansas was considered kind of a, a Big 12 North favorite heading into that season, and Kansas drew the, the full capacity on, on a lot of occasions. And so I do think that there's kind of a sweet spot there. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, 50,000 again, but I, I do think that there's a case that, hey, if if this program continues to have success, if the fans continue to come and, and pack the place out like they did last year, you know, maybe they will make a case that it should be closer to 45 or 47 or something like that. In terms of the logistics of it, I think it was Oregon State who did something 
kind of similar to what it sounds like KU wants to do, where you basically are constructing while also still playing in the stadium uh, for like a you know for that year, that intermediary year. Uh, well, what do you think of that? I mean, do you think that's smart for KU to just go ahead and try to keep it keep it that way, or would it be? I don't know. I was just thinking like, would it maybe if they wanted to expedite the construction process if they maybe wanted to go play somewhere else but i mean what, what did you kind of think of that aspect of it you know i i think we really need to to wait and see kind of what it looks what that process looks like and i realize that sounds like a, a cop-out answer but it, it's one of those things where you know you heard all sorts of people suggesting different things for while the construction was going on some people said hey go play at sporting park you know, different things like that. Obviously, if Kansas were to go and play at Arrowhead, if that if that were even possible, you would think you would have you know the empty seats and issues like that. And so there there's a very real possibility that depending on what the reduced capacity is, and that wasn't an answer that we got today. It, it might be the better solution to be able to have people there while the construction is going on. If that number is twenty five thousand, if that number is is whatever, then, then that might be the better answer for it as opposed to, you know, going a lot smaller, going to a place that that can't quite hold that many fans. And so I do think there's a chance that that's the best answer. I just feel like we, we don't know if it is or not yet with, uh, with the answers that we've been given. All right, looking at the 2023 iteration of Kansas football right now heading into this season, I think right now kind of something that's been on a lot of fans' minds is is the the – situation with Jalen Daniels a little bit and kind of what he's dealing with with injury I guess uh, how concerned are you about that how concerned are you about that maybe being something that could be more of a long-term issue with him obviously you know when you deal with an injury like that like a back injury that can be something that can tend to flare back up I guess what's your level of concern about that situation involving Jalen Daniels right now well you know not being in there and you know and having an MRI machine uh attached to Jalen right now, you just kind of have to trust the staff. And and it's one of those things where, you know, they know what, what Jalen's capable of. He knows what he's capable of. Like you said, back injuries can be lingering, but they can also be the sort of thing that can go away relatively quickly if you handle them correctly. It really depends on the injury. And so it, it's when you hear back injury, you get scared, right? Because you think of, the guys that have the back spasms that last all season long and they just aren't effective and it just doesn't heal up, but not all back injuries are that way. And so without knowing, you know, the specifics behind his injury, I do think Kansas is being cautious. It sounds like Jalen Daniels is being cautious as well. And so I don't think it's time to worry at this point or, or anything like that. I, I just think that, uh, it's one of those things where where guys get nicked up, especially uh, especially in fall camp. You know, you hit the weight room, you do conditioning, and all those things to try and limit those injuries, but you can't prevent them. And so, I do think that it, it sounds like they're they're taking things fairly uh, fairly easy with him. And you know, as far as hey, whether you're worried or not, I don't think it's time for that yet. And and it's tough to say either way, really, when you don't have the medical charts in front of you. Brian Borland a couple weeks ago said that he wants the defense to not be the weak link anymore for this team. What do you think that looks like? What do you think needs to be done for the defense to get to that level, to, to, for that to be the case this season? 
Yeah, I love Taiwo Anatolu talking about his group and saying how important it was for everybody to do your job, right? He, I think he even used the, the phrase, you know, you don't have to be Superman, be Clark Kent. And don't get me wrong, everybody would hope that, that guys would, uh, would do their Clark Kent at a Superman level. But, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that's what it looks like in terms of being fundamentally sound, being where you're supposed to be, and, and everybody counting on it and trusting that the guy next to them is also going to get their jobs done. You know, defense, it's kind of a, it's a tough deal because you look at it and you can say, Hey, well, this play was made by, by one guy beating a block, but the reverse is also true. You can have 10 guys get a defensive play. Absolutely. Right. And that 11th guy doesn't, and it's a touchdown. And so I, I think that's the biggest thing where with you ha- with you returning so much experience, with even the guys coming in having experience within programs, even if it's not on the football field, or you know guys like J.B. Brown and Devin Phillips who have played quite a bit of football, that's going to be the big thing is just being assignment sound. And there are some interesting games on, on the schedule, Nick, where you, you look at it and you say – Kansas is going to have a really good offense. You know, they bring back 10 guys off of an offense that was ranked in the top 10 in the country, you know, at the end of the year. And when you, when you look at it, games like Illinois, Kansas probably isn't going to score 40 points in that game, you know, and that's, that's not a knock on the offense. That's just <laughs> Illinois has a really good defense. They've got a lot of really good defensive pieces. And so if Kansas is going to win that game, I'm not saying it's going to look exactly like the Iowa State game of a year ago, but it's going to maybe need to look a little bit more like that, where the defense is going to need to step up and get stops when they absolutely have to and get off the field. And I think the other thing that that we kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, this could be a big key for this defense, I think is getting off the field on third downs. You know, they're – were a lot of situations last year where they they get out there, they get a team in third and six, third and eight, kind of where you want to be as defense, and gave up a first down, and then it's all over again. If they can start generating some stops on those third downs, especially early on on drives, it's only going to help the offense that much more as well. Brian Boylan and some of the other defensive assistant coaches have kind of tap danced around the idea of utilizing more pass rush from the linebacker position. Do you, do you think that would be something that they could maybe try to use to generate more pass rush if they can't get it from the D-line and maybe use some different scheming that way, a guy like Craig Young, something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think for sure. And I, I think you tapped on a name that makes it really intriguing because Craig Young is going to do a lot of things. He's going to line up in a lot of different places. A lot of times he's going to be over the slot or whatever else. And so when you send him, it, it's different than sending your average nickel guy, right? Like he's not... He's not five foot eight, you know, 175 pounds and out there to cover slot receivers. He's, you know, a, a six foot three, six foot four guy who also happened to run, you know, a 10, 500 meter dash. And so I, I think Craig Young's a guy that could have a, a big year with that stuff. But in addition to all of that, you look at some of the other guys like Davey Brown, I think coming in, I think has a chance to be a good pass rusher up the middle and, and through the middle gaps. And when you look at, what Kansas sort of sought after with Lonnie Phelps, 
One of the things that Lonnie Phelps showed on tape when, when Kansas got him out of Miami, Ohio, was he was really good at twisting and stunting. So they were able to run a lot of what you call two-man game with he and another defender, and he was able to make plays in space. Well, all of a sudden, if you had a pass rush threat from the second level as well, those things tend to get home a little more often too because linemen can't react to those things as as quickly or as aggressively as they would like to because they can't open up holes. And, and so it does make the whole defense better when they have to respect that, hey, this pass rush might just might not just come from the four guys in front of us. It might come from the second and third levels as well. High school football is also just around the corner. Do you have a local prospect of the week? Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting, I think, to – to kind of hear about, hey, these are the uh, these are the guys that are stepping up at practice and and, and all of that, and so I, I know that uh, I, I know that it's uh, a weekly thing and everything else, but I honestly would like to wait another week so that I can try and and bring out sort of a surprise guy who's not one of the top few guys in the class and uh, and bring out uh, bring out sort of a newcomer. Okay. Okay. There we go. I like that. A little, little smoke and mirrors, waiting, waiting to give us a surprise. Right? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, bring out, <laughs> bring out somebody who's maybe not the most obvious guy, but is somebody that uh, that people should pay attention to, nonetheless. Great. Great. Well, Kevin, appreciate your time as always, and you do fantastic work over at Two Four Seven Sports. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks a lot, Nick. Thanks. That was Kevin Flaherty of Two Four Seven Sports joining the show. Uh, thank you so much to Kevin for bringing up for being on. Talk a little bit about the stadium and also about K football as well. Uh, thanks to Kevin for coming on the show as always. Two hours down, one to go. Coming up in the five o'clock hour, we're also going to speak with Shreyas Lada about around five fifteen. Uh, he was out at the stadium announcement, so we're going to discuss some more of the stadium with Shreyas and get into some more of the audio from the stadium announcement as well from Laura Kelly, David Booth, and also. Uh, from Devin Neal as well. That, that's all coming up later on in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll take a timeout. Two hours down, one to go here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening to FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Nick Chuck Sports Talk today. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson on vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. And we will talk all things more going on with the stadium. Get to some more audio as well. Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star is going to join us in less than 10 minutes to talk more about the stadium renovations and talk a little bit about Jalen Daniels as well. We're going to get to the rest of the uh, announcement audio from earlier this afternoon with Laura Kelly, with David Booth, and Devin Neal speaking uh, we'll get to that later on in the 5 o'clock hour as well to wrap up the show. So that's a little look ahead at what's going on in the 5 o'clock hour on today's show. Reminder, if you missed anything from our previous segments of the show today, you can be sure to check it out on the Best of RCST podcast anywhere you find your podcasts. So certainly the big story today for KU football is the announcement of the Gateway Project, a full unveiling, uh, Kansas really, really full court press here on this uh, on this announcement, a new, a new website uh, to kind of explain everything about it. Uh, tons and tons of press conference audio and announcement audio and all that, which we'll be getting to on the show and uh, fully announcing it. And a couple interesting tidbits uh, from the stadium renovations was uh, first 
with the uh, capacity. I think that's something that some people have been keeping an eye on with the capacity a little bit. Travis Goff said that it's going to be over 40,000. And uh, I think a little bit, uh, he kind of shared a little bit of a tidbit on this and basically saying that as KU builds the stadium, I think they're going to maybe possibly sort of wait and see how much like season ticket sales and whatnot they get to determine what kind of capacity they want for their stadium. You just heard from Kevin Flaherty kind of talking about that a little bit too is, you know, you want to, you want to have a home field advantage, but you also don't want to have an empty stadium. And so I think there is a bit of a, a balance there. And, and I, I, that was kind of the grasp that I got on from Travis Goff is that with the way they're planning to build a stadium. Uh, and he basically said that they're going to sort of evaluate after phase one, which phase one is, I believe the West side of the stadium is phase one. Uh, I could be wrong on that. And then I think once they go to start building the other side, they will uh, sort of see what their ticket sales are and see what kind of, if their hype is still there for KU and if it, they feel like they need they can expand it. It seems like that that is an option. So it seems like there might be a little bit of flexibility uh, involved with this with this project and being able to uh, kind of maneuver as it, as it goes on a little bit, which I think it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I, I think it'd be maybe a little bit foolhardy to just go in with a, a set plan and not want to deviate from it or not have any flexibility involved in it. So I think that makes a lot of sense with the capacity. I know that there was some there was some social media stuff uh, a while back before the, all this was announced about uh, shrinking the capacity and whatnot. And, and you know, I think if, if you want to build a, a great home field advantage, it's got to be full. You know, I mean, 20,000 fans in a 20,000-seat arena versus – uh, 20,000 fans in a 60,000 seat stadium. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big difference, you know. Doug Gerard had a great quote as well during the press conference saying that, uh, think of Allen Fieldhouse except outside, which now that, that would be something, right? I mean, you're talking about Allen Fieldhouse, one of the loudest indoor arenas in the entire world. If you could even come close to replicating that at the new uh, David Booth Memorial Stadium, I think that would be very, very interesting <laughs> to say the least. So uh, that's kind of one aspect of it. There's been a lot of uh, discussion with the renderings about uh, the lighting, about the lights, and about uh, also tailgating, keeping the hill involved. And I, I you know, when, when it comes to that, I think it would be really, really interesting if you kind of did just have everybody tailgate on the hill. I mean, that would create a really, really cool environment if you had everybody on the hill. And KU has done stuff on the hill in the past. The one negative to the hill, though, Speaking from experience, as someone who has tailgated on the hill, actually, uh, the one crappy part about it is you can't really play any any tailgating games. Like, good luck trying to play cornhole uh, on the hill. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty pretty challenging. So that that would be the only concern that I would say if you want to say, oh well, you know, for tailgating purposes, just go to the hill. Well, okay, it, it's 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 a little bit you know there's there's some challenge involved. I mean, it's a hill. It's literally a hill. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, I think, you know, for the everyday fan, I kind of talked about this earlier in the show, for the everyday fan, you're looking at the game day experience, getting to the stadium. How easy is it to get in and out of the stadium? Is there a lot of stuff to do maybe outside around the stadium prior to kickoff? What's the tailgating experience like? Once you get in the stadium, how easy is it to maneuver around? How easy is it to get to concessions? Is there long lines? Bathroom situation, uh, you know, getting to your seat. Kevin Flaherty talked about the the expanded leg room that was mentioned in the in the release uh, of the seats and a little bit extra size on the seats as well. So that's all stuff that certainly matters to to the everyday fan. And 
I'm very curious to see how the rest of the project is integrated in because I do think there there might be there could be a bit of a divide here where a lot of fans are mainly just focused on the stadium versus what else KU has planned going on around it. So I'm curious to see how KU tries to integrate some of that other non game day experience, non KU football stuff uh, into this into this project and whether or not it's that's going to go over really well or not. Uh, for kind of with that aspect of it. So there's there's a lot of different angles you can look at this from. Uh, again, I think on a day like today, I think you can be nothing but but excited about this because Kansas has desperately been in need of a new stadium for a long time. Uh, they have one of the oldest oldest stadiums in Tower 5, I believe. So they've, they've desperately needed a new stadium. If you've gone to games in the last couple of years, you've seen it firsthand, whether it's been with the concession situation, with the lines, whatever, this, that, or the other. So this is, you know, this is something that's clearly needed. And I think just based off today, you have to be excited about it. Now, on down the road, we'll see how how it all kind of unfa- unfolds and what kind of happens with that. But on a day like today, I feel like you, you have to be excited about uh, about what, what KU's planned because I've kind of mentioned this, but the biggest takeaway for me here is clearly it, it would seem as though on the surface level that there was a lot of thought put into this process and a lot of thought put into unveiling this whole project. And so that, that gives me a little bit of hope for maybe the continued ongoing process of it as well. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to be joined by Shreya Salada. He's going to talk more about the stadium as well because uh, he was there actually at the uh, press conferences and whatnot. So we'll talk to him about that right now. Coming up here in just a few minutes on RCST. Shreya Salada is up next. You're listening to FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk here on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson on vacation today. It's been a big day for KU football and a big day for really the university at large with uh, all of the latest on the stadium announcement, stadium renovations. And we are joined now by Shreya Salata of the Kansas City Star to talk a little bit more about kind of everything that was going on today. Uh, Shreya, you were obviously there in person. What was kind of that atmosphere like? What was the experience like just being there uh, for this announcement? I mean, I think it was great. There was a lot of excitement in the room. Uh, I think there was a lot of hype building for the KU football program and accumulated in today. Um, and I think, you know, just looking at the Twitter reaction, fans are very excited. National media members to talk about how great it is that KU football is invested into well, their product like this. Uh, KU Athletics is invested in football. And, um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of uh, hype and anticipation, and I think it lived up to it. Obviously, a lot was said by a lot of different people. Travis Goff, Douglas Gerard, uh, all that stuff. Was, was there any one specific kind of quote or one specific thing that you took away or that, that jumped out to you about some of the things that was said today? Yeah, I really liked uh, Lance's quote where he was talking about, you know, we talk about action and, you know, actually like our culture is action-based. And it feels like this is a cumulative of Lance progressing, hey, you football, fashion dissipated, and them having the right leadership in place to finally do something like this uh, and really – put together a project that they've had in mind, uh, Chancellor Drew, had, had in mind for about seven years now. Um, and I thought it was very, very cool how uh, it's all been put together. And, you know, they finally feel like they've had the right leadership between Goff and, and Lance. And I think KU is in a good place, as good of a place as they've ever been overall. Yeah, when you look at the, the stadium renderings, as you said, a lot of fans on social media kind of looking at the renderings and seeing what, what's, what's going on there. What was kind of your biggest takeaway? Was it the you know was it with the stadium? Was it with the video board? Was it with the capacity? Was it with kind of parking tailgating? What was kind of your takeaway just from looking at the visuals of of what KU has shown? 
I mean, I think it just looks super cool. I know everyone hates the lights, but I really enjoyed it. I think they look really nice. Um, I think uh, the way the stadium looks uh, in renderings and overall, uh, it, there's a clear uh, cut just look to it that makes it look more modernized. Uh, I think it makes it look bigger. Um, and it, it clearly seems like there's going to be more room for uh, people to sit and be comfortable. I think that's huge. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the capacity because that was something that was kind of a a, a back and forth situation where uh, earlier on on social media, Travis Scoff was kind of disputing people saying that the, the, the capacity of the stadium was maybe going to shrink a little bit. And then he comes out today and says, well, it's going to be over 40,000, but we're basically kind of waiting and seeing. I don't know. What was kind of your reaction to that to the comment he made where he was basically talking about how they were going to reevaluate after a certain phases and looking at capacity? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting. It's basically like saying, hey, KU fans, do you want to know what the capacity is? Do you want a bigger capacity for your stadium? And put your money where your mouth is and come out and sell out the booth, you know, pack the booth, as they say. And, uh, you know, like they, multiple people ask, like, what is the capacity going to look like next year with all the construction? They said it's going to be less than, but they wouldn't give a firm number, which I thought was really interesting. And they wouldn't give a firm number, uh, you know, overall for just what it would look like after that year. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. And, you know, it it makes sense. I mean, I think it does seem like from KU's standpoint, they kind of want to avoid giving a firm number in case things do change, which obviously this is a a very ambitious project that's on a long timeline. And so, you know, it's it's possible that stuff could change, right? Absolutely. I think I think they're they're being smart about it. And, you know, you you don't want uh, you don't want it to be one of those things where you you give a number and, and, and you can't uh, do it overall. Yeah, and then uh, looking, at the, looking at the timeline for the project, uh, the fact that it's going to be hopefully done in 2025, what do you think that means for this program in terms of recruiting future players to come to Kansas? The fact that maybe now Lance Leipold can go and say, hey, listen, you're going to be playing in this stadium in a couple of years. What, what do you think that means for just the program recruiting-wise? Yeah, I mean, Lance called it game-changing, and I agree. I mean, you're finally putting the facilities where your money or your mouth is, uh, and this team, you know, is focused on being a consistent bowl team. Uh, they're focused on being consistent overall. And, uh, you know, having all these renovations and uh, accommodations for the, the team right now, between the weight room and the locker room, the stuff they have coming in the future, um, I think is going to be really, really huge. And it's showing that KU football is not going to be an afterthought in the Big 12 or or uh, NCAA football overall. Yesterday, you you published a story in the Kansas City Star about Jalen Daniels, which was great. If you haven't checked it out, do please do. It's uh, very well written. And I guess in the process of, of writing that story, Shreyas, you had a little bit of, of access to to Jalen Daniels and some people that are important in his life. What was kind of your your biggest takeaway just from having the opportunity to kind of interact with those people and and write about that write about Jalen Daniels? I mean, I was just really impressed how big of a a village. Have. I mean. Uh, it's just super, super impressive um, how he's been having the self-belief that he is destined for greatness, and he just wanted an opportunity to prove himself since he was a kid, since he was in high school. And the only people that believe in him since day one has been him and his circle. And, you know, and I think that's super, super cool that the rest of Kansas football and Kansas fans believe in him and his ability, and I mean, even the rest of the college football world really 
I think, came away impressed with Jalen last year. But he's always had that self-belief. Um, and it's been reinforced by his family, reinforced by his friends, reinforced by the people that know him best because they, they see they see the greatness in him, as they say. Um, I think I came away super impressed how they've been there through ups and downs. Do you think, that, oh, uh, do you, do you think there's any, any kind of parallels between the fact that, you know, you look at Jalen Daniels and look at KU football, Jalen Daniels, an unheralded, an unheralded kid, a guy who uh, it's Chip Kelly allegedly said that he wanted him to, he didn't think he would play quarterback. And then he comes to Kansas, a program that had been struggling for a while, and now they're both sort of rising up together. Do you think there's any kind of parallels between the, those two stories? A hundred percent. I mean, this is like, you know, it's, it's, it's uncanny how great of a fit Jalen Daniels is with Kansas football. You know, Kansas football has been an afterthought for the last 10, 15 years. Jalen Daniels was an afterthought for most of his life in the football field. Um, you know, even when he was doing well, no one really considered him as a power five starter or even player on, besides Kansas football. And the only really reason was that because of Brett Deerman's belief that Jalen Daniels is a quarterback and he's really good. He's just been hampered by, you know, people think he's too short or, or whatever. Um, but I think just overall, uh, you know, I thought it was super, super cool how they're such a great fit for each other. There's a specific quote in there about Jalen Daniels talking about basically the idea of possibly leaving Kansas. There was, you know, that kind of, that smoke kind of rose up towards the end of last season, and then I, I don't know if people still think that or not, but he gave a great answer to that, or kind of gave an interesting answer to that. What, what was kind of your takeaway from, from him talking about his, his commitment to KU football and, and how much he views himself within this program? I mean, he, he's never really doubted. I mean, like, if there, was, if there was any point he doubted himself and or really doubted his Kansas the path was that path right before they told him, hey, I think we need a redshirt. Of course, the next day, and you know, the next couple of days later, the K State game happens. Uh, the guys ahead of him get injured, and he doesn't look back. You know, the Texas game becomes his his, his come out party, and and you know, he doesn't really look back. But I, he's always had the self belief that he belongs in Kansas. He's a Division One quarterback, even when his stats weren't great freshman year even when they were losing a crap done. And he's really loyal. I mean, I really love that quote uh, where he's like, why would I trade in uh, a little Toyota that we've been driving for two, three years just to drive, you know, a Prius, or not, you know, Bari, Bugatti, or whatever, for a week. You know, and I, I think that is such a special, special sentiment because in this day in college athletics, people and kids and coaches and everybody else, these for greener pastures. They don't survive for the circuit thin. And I think if you're a Kansas fan, you have to come away pretty impressed. How much of an impact do you think Lance Leipold has has had on that as well, or in the staff with Andy Kolnicki? How much do you think those the staff coming in has really kind of helped with get to Jalen Daniels to where he is now? I think it's been tremendous. I mean, he just looks like a completely different player than he was freshman year, um, and you know, a lot of that is I think having the confidence and the staff having the confidence in him now after that Texas game, um, and I think him working on himself and 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 the team overall and. I think it's it's super super impressive, uh, just how much they've both grown together. You know, as much as KU football's grown, Lance Leipold has helped you know Jalen grow. And his quote about Jalen, how he's not just a special player but a special person, I think really showcases how close these two really are. How much do you think that filters down throughout the rest of the program? I mean, Jalen Daniels has really kind of been you know thrust into the spotlight as as sort of the the face of this program. How much do you think that that confidence that you touched on a little bit with Jalen Daniels, how much do you think that trickles down and through the rest of the program? 
I mean, I think it's been tremendous. I, I remember his dad telling me that, like, Jalen and coming in and become the starter, and even though they lost, uh, you know, after that Texas game, you know, awesome game and stuff like that, but people's moods improved. Their dynamics improved. He was really, like, basically, it was like a light being shown uh, that Kansas football needed to get out of the dark age. And, and Jalen was that, that hope, and I think him coming in and, and getting that role and, and playing as well as he's had really, really did help his teammates in a sense because they needed something to believe in, and Jalen Minos was just that. Quickly, I wanted to get a couple of the thoughts on just kind of the rest of fall camp. Uh, what, what are you seeing from the team? I mean, what, what's kind of your vibe? I think most notably you know, with Brian Boylan talking about the defense not being the weak link, what do you think might be the key to the defense doing that this season? I think the big thing starts is they need pressure to the quarterback, and that's always been the biggest question with this KU team. Is now that Lonnie's gone, who's going to pressure the quarterback? Uh, they weren't amazing at it last year, but it, it's important because I think their you know, DB room is very, very good. You know, they have one of the better DB rooms in Big Twelve and in college football, I think. Um, but if they can't pressure the quarterback, it puts a lot of pressure on these corners to make short plays and and limit big time opportunities. So uh, I think a lot of KU success this year will end up coming down to, and they get pressure. And if they can't get pressure through the line, you know, are they going to send some linebackers like they said they would do? How are they going to disguise it? You can't just blitz all the time because Big 12 offenses will make you play if you blitz all the time. Looking at the offense, uh, Daniel Hyshaw seems to be coming back. You have Devin Neal as well. Plus you've got a really solid trio of receivers along with Jalen Daniels. What, what do you think will be the key for them to, to elevate their play even more going into this season? I think the big thing would be health. I mean, they just need Jalen to stay healthy. They need, uh, you know, they need Daniel. I mean, high shot to stay healthy. I think if they can stay healthy um, and continue to just do what they were doing last year, they're going to be better because they just need continuity. You can't keep on having guys come in and out or key contributors because, it just makes it that much harder. Yeah, you can plug the next guy in, but the next guy's not going to be as good as the previous guy. Or maybe he is, but you want both those guys, like Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, they're both very good, but you want both of them together because you know they were special. Uh, you want Jalen healthy because as good as Jason Bean is, Jalen is much better, I think. And I think the continuity for the offense is just staying healthy throughout the season so they can showcase how good they really are. Um, and then another big thing is just the wide receivers continuing to do what they did last year. Uh, building off the space thing, they're trying to you know get better in space and get more yards after catch. And if they keep doing that, I think they'll make KU more of a dynamic offense. Um, but just between Jalen's running ability and his throwing ability and KU's running backs, they should be a top fifteen, top ten offense as long as Jalen and those guys stay healthy. Absolutely. One more thing I was curious about before I let you go is just with Dominic Pooney moving to left tackle after playing guard, but seemingly it sounds like he played tackle at, at his previous stop at, in, uh, at D2. Uh, if he turns into uh, that level of guy that he was last year at the tackle position, how much do you think that will benefit the rest of the offensive line this season? I think it's going to be humongous. I mean, honestly, it's going to be huge, especially with uh, Earl gone. You need a guy that come in and, and really help anchor that line. And, and I think he will be huge because, I mean, I think they were tied for least in the sacks. Big 12, I think it was just with 12 or whatever all year. Jalen did a great job, but that line also did a great job. Um, you know, if they can get that uh, strength in, in Dominic and, and really do as well as he did last year, I think they're going to be so, so good, and it's going to make the offense that much better. 
All right, he is Trey Slot of the Kansas City Star. Be sure to check out his latest feature article on Jalen Daniels. Great stuff writing that article, Shreyas, and thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. All right, thank you. That was Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks so much to Shreyas for coming on. And like I said, that, that Jalen Daniels article, uh, very well, very very well done in the Kansas City Star. So if you haven't checked it out, be sure to, uh, to, to check that out. So, All right, we are going to take a, f- a short break here. When we come back, we will get into that last portion of the announcement audio from earlier this afternoon, hearing from Governor of the governor of Kansas, Laura Kelly, along with David Booth, uh, who's been very generous, obviously, with his time and money for KU, and Devin Neal uh, to discuss as well, talk a little bit about the announcement of the Gateway Project and everything. And then we'll get more into the weeds on everything with the press conference audio uh, that happened afterwards. We'll get more into that tomorrow. Also, there was a, a little bit of a, a, a clip from Chris Harris that we'll, I'll want to get to tomorrow as well later on this week. So, We'll definitely be continuing to, to talk about the stadium uh, update and the Gateway Project throughout the rest of this week on RCS, on RCST. But we are going to take a short time out. When we come back, we'll get into that last section of audio from earlier this afternoon uh, on RCST. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.